thank you guys. Thank you. We have uh, also, I'd love you to welcome my friends Bernard and his family from Bosnia. Do you guys want to just stand? These guys are carving out church in a real tough place. So make sure you get them at the end, pray for them, prophesy over them, give them money, whatever you want to do. Thank you. Such a privilege to have you guys here with us. And uh, thank you also for Caroline and I. I just want to thank you personally. Many of you know we had some uh, real traumatic time recently. My mum was taken very ill on holiday. I had to go and uh, repatriate her. And we were just so, I haven't got time to update you on the whole situation. She still needs your prayers. But I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for your prayers, for your support, for your finances that people gave. It's been so great. You know, when you're going through a tough time, there's nowhere better than to be with the people of God. with the family of God and to be in your family and to know them gathering around you is just amazing. So thank you guys for standing with us and I'll perhaps send out an email just to update you on the, the situation. But um, this morning we are uh, carrying on a series called Culture Crunch. Uh, f- five years ago we defined our culture as a community as uh, five words, honour, authenticity, acceptance, generosity and courage. It's not that we don't want to do other things, but we thought if we could just do those five things well as individuals, as a community, what difference would it make? And, and it has been such a journey for us to see what difference it has made. It's not that uh, we don't want to say where we're going. We spent a long time saying where we were going and what our vision was, etc., etc. But what we realised is you can spend a lot of time deciding where you're going and get to where you, want to, you, where you were going, but hate the person that you've become on the journey. And you see that all the time, don't you? Businesses, individuals who achieve great things in their lives, but they hate the price that they paid, the people that they became on the journey. And so we thought, actually, we wanted to define our culture so that, yes, we want to get somewhere, we want to grow, we want to impact this nation and the nations, but also we want to like who we became on the journey. We want to like what our family looks like. And so that's been the journey. And we've seen just tremendous fruit, both in our community and also wider. So businesses that have been changed, that are now living out the King's Arms culture. Uh, NHS trusts are talking about what does honour mean in the NHS? Uh, hospitals that are, have been impacted uh, by it, and schools as well. And Caroline was even talking to a, a teacher just this week who's going into a very tough school environment and they're just about to start the job in September. Caroline says, well, what are you going to do in this class in, in the first term? She said, oh, simple. I'm going to teach on the culture of honour from day one. <laughs> I'm going to teach these kids what honour really means, what it means to respect one another as a foundation, and that's how I'm going to start. And, and so... We have been on this journey, and, and I really want to, this series is really about kneading it in more. Uh, you know, when you, if you've ever made bread, which I've made a little bit in my time, under my daughter's supervision, because she's good at that kind of thing, uh, kneading is the key part of that process. When you knead the bread, it is exhausting, it's tiring, your fingers are like, I can't take any more. But when you knead, you're actually creating the, the final product. It seems like this is, we've been through this before, but actually the kneading process is what creates the final uh, product. Product, the bread that you, you want. And, and it's out of this culture that we become the people that God has called us to be. And so we're going to look a little bit more authenticity today. And I want to ask us one question. It's this. Do I love the truth? Do I? Do we? Do I love the truth? And some of you are thinking, Simon, I'm exhausted. I don't know what I love anymore. <laughs> it's summer. I want to go on holiday. That's what I love. I know, I know, I know. But just bear with me because actually summer is quite a good time to step back, isn't it? And to reflect to look at the big picture, to look at this year. And one of the questions I think would be great for us to think about is, do I love the truth? 
Not, do I like the truth when it's convenient for me? <laughs> Not, do I use the truth when that feels like the, the, that's going to be okay and the lowest cost? But do I love the truth? Do we love the, the truth? You know, when I stood up here numbers of years ago and said for the first time um, to the church, I'd had battled with pornography for many years as a teenager and into my 20s, and I just wanted to be honest about it. The fear was, if I say these sort of things, people won't want to follow me. What I found out afterwards is that's actually a lie, <laughs> that it's helped people to realize that this is the type of community they want to be part of because the leaders aren't on some kind of pedestal. They're just like the rest of us and battle the same kind of issues. And, but we're all walking together to be transformed into Christ's image. But it came from this foundation of a revelation. I've got to, I've got to love the truth. I've got to come into the light. And you know, I don't know about you, but if you were to watch the, the news for 10 hours, imagine that scenario and how you would feel at the end of 10 hours of watching the news solidly. I can barely make it through 15 minutes some days. 10 hours of that. What would you feel like was the issue for humanity? 10 hours of watching the news nonstop. What would you feel like this issue? Would you think, well, it's selfishness or greed? What, what's the root issue? Well, the Apostle Paul wrote this. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 10. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. There are lots of issues, but one of the core foundational issues in relationships and why the world is like it is today is because people, us, you and I, don't love the truth. We don't love the truth and that's at the foundation of so much of what goes wrong and so people lie for, for different reasons. You know, I heard a story of a store manager and he was... Uh, his assistant was telling a customer, Madam, we don't have, we haven't had any for a while and it doesn't look like we'll get any soon. And, and the manager rushed over and he, and he, he said, Madam, that, that's not right. We've placed an order and we've got some coming in next week. Uh, and the woman looked a bit confused and walked off and the manager was horrified. He said to the assistant, don't ever tell the customer we don't have any. Always say we've placed an order and it's coming in next week. Now, what was it she was asking that we were out of? And the assistant was like, Rain? <laughs> you see, sometimes we lie just for pride. Sometimes we, we tell huge lies that catch up with us later in life. There's a story of, uh, in, the, in the States of a guy called Bob Harris. He studied at school, but he didn't get a degree, but he really wanted to be a weatherman. I don't quite know who fits that category, but anyway, he really wanted to be a weatherman. And so he, he, he phoned up a, a TV weather station, a TV station said, applied for this, this job as a, a weatherman. And in the process said that he had a PhD in geophysics from Columbia, which he didn't. But of course, nobody checked. And so he gets the job. And then he gets a bigger job. And sooner than later, he's writing for the New York Times. He's a syndicated weatherman across the entire nation of America. He builds this stellar career over 10 years until somebody wrote an anonymous letter. He became known as Dr. Bob, the weatherman. <laughs> and then someone wrote an anonymous letter that said, has anyone ever checked Dr. Bob's degree? And they thought, we never have. And so they did. And he got the sack. And this is what he said. It was a dreadful mistake. It played a part in my divorce. I took a shortcut that turned out to be the long way around. And one day, the bill came due. 
I will be sorry as long as I am alive. Sometimes we tell big lies that sooner or later catch up with us, but many of us, we just tell the everyday little lies like, I was only joking. I didn't mean it. I'll start my diet tomorrow. <laughs> Open wide, this will sting a little. It's not the money, it's the principle. <laughs> Whenever someone says to me, it's not the money, it's the principle, immediately I know, it's the money. <laughs> Until you said that, I thought it might be the principle, but now you've said, it's not the money, it's the principle, I know for sure it is the money. Or, can I speak with you? I just need two minutes of your time. Don't say that, because as soon as you say that, I know that's half an hour of my life that's just gone. Don't say that thing. It might be two minutes until you say you need two minutes, and then that's it. It's over. It's going to be 30 at least. Do I love the truth? Five reasons to love the truth. First is this, because the devil is a liar, and he is the father of all who lie. You might say, well, I don't, I don't believe in the devil. Well, Jesus did. And you know what? For me, the fact that there is a spiritual, demonic power behind the evil, in the, influencing and enforcing the evil that goes on, in the, on this planet is the explanation that's got the most scope to me. It's got the most power. The fact that there is something behind. The evil is so sick. It's so depraved. It's so twisted. I just don't believe we could have come up with it on our own. The fact is, the demonic powers that work, led by the devil, the Bible is quite clear. They exist. And, and, and then the devil is not the equal and opposite of God. It's not the yin and the yang. He's a, a created being who through his own pride and love of himself fell and now leads everyone on a trajectory away from God himself. And his major strategy is deception. And it says in John 8, 44, you are, you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. The enemy of mankind, your enemy, my enemy, is a born liar. That's what he does. And so when I lie, however small, however great, when I lie, I partner with that system. His system is deception. That's what he does. That's what he loves to do. There's no truth in him, Jesus said. And when we lie, we partner with him. You think, Simon, surely you're over. You're overplaying this, surely. I heard a story of a a guy who owned a horse and he went to a vet and he said, um, he said, I've got this horse, he said, and some days it walks fine and some days it limps. What should I do? And the vet said, next time it walks fine, sell it. <laughs> and we all do small things like that. And Jesus said, that is hooking in to a system that is fathered by the devil himself. But what it says in Titus is this, God never lies. So the first reason not to lie is because I want to be a son of that father, not a son of that father. I want to be his son and I want to be like my dad and he never lies. So that's the first reason. And the second is this, because even though I was born a liar, 
Christ came to rescue liars like me. You don't have to read the Bible to see that we are born liars. Some of you are wriggling, I know, at the very thought of being called a born liar. I am a born liar and I'm afraid. I'm sorry to break it to you on this lovely sunny Sunday morning. So are you. You are a born liar. 2005, Scientific American wrote this. Deception runs like a red thread through all human history. Go to a movie, the odds are that the plot will revolve around deceit in some shape or form. Lying is a skill that wells up from deep within us and we use it with abandon. The great American observer Mark Twain wrote more than a century ago, everybody lies every day, every hour. Deceit is fundamental to the human condition. But I was born a liar. By nature, I lie. <laughs> that's, that's the nature I was born with. I remember, do you remember your first whopper? <laughs> that first one <laughs> that you got away with? I remember I was about seven years old, second year in my my primary school and somebody brought in their Doctor Who cards. I'd never seen such glorious cards before. This was the first time Doctor Who came around, all right, all right, okay. I'd never seen such cards and the teacher showed them to the whole class, these wonderful images of glory. Doctor Who. And then she said, I'm going to put them on my desk for the day and then so and so, little Johnny, you can take them home at the end. So while I was asking the teacher a question, the cards went off the desk and into my pocket. Went back to my seat at the end of the day. Little Johnny comes on. My cards, my cards, my Doctor Who cards, my cards. The teacher said, where are the cards? I left them here, the cards, where are the cards? Doctor Who, Doctor Who, everyone's Doctor Who, where are the cards, the cards, the cards? Everyone, all the children, ah, ah, the cards, cards, cards. <laughs> the cards, keep quiet, keep quiet, keep quiet. The teacher's like, where are the cards? Who has taken the Doctor Who cards? Where are the cards? I left them on my desk and now the cards are not there. Where are the Doctor Who cards? <laughs> Everyone, stand up, stand up. You are not leaving here until someone comes forward with the Doctor Who cards. <laughs> hold the P in, hold the P in, hold the P in. <laughs> you are not leaving this room, none of you, until someone comes forward with the Doctor Who cards. <laughs> nobody knows, nobody knows, nobody knows. If I can just hold it together, I might get away with this. <laughs> it's too late now, I can't go forward now, I can't go forward now, it's too late, it's too late. All right, well, I'm deeply disappointed with all of you. You can all go home and know how ashamed I am with the whole class. <sighs> Got to go home via the toilet first. On the way, on the way home, get home. Playing with the cards. The cards are so glorious, they're amazing. Better than I ever dreamed, better than I thought. Dad walks in. Simon, good to see you. Where'd you get those cards? Rats. I found them. Which was... True, kind of. Oh, okay. Whew, you believe me. I've got the cards. I feel so guilty, but I've got the cards. That was kind of like Gollum, wasn't I? <laughs> and that began a journey of deception. And kids learn by four. If your child is younger than four and they're a good liar, it's a sign of intelligence, apparently. <laughs> so be depressed about the fact they lie a lot, but also they're smart. Uh, 
by about four, they've learned, learned to lie. And, and, and the brighter ones learn earlier. And, and by six, it's become a bit of a habit. In fact, researchers did a, an experiment where they took these uh, children, six-year-olds, and what they did was they, they uh, uh, one-on-one with, a, with a, an instructor, they showed them a, a, a toy. And if they could guess the toy, they got to keep the toy. So the first one's easy, the second one's easy. The third one, it's in a box, and it's impossible to guess. It's like this foam ball that rang. There was no way anyone could guess it. And so the instructor said, I'm oh, just going to pop out of the room now. I'll be back in a second, but don't peek in the box. So out they go, hidden camera. 76% of the kids looked in the box. Instructor comes back in. Do you look in the box? <laughs> what is it in the box? What is it then? Do you look in the box? What's in the box? It's a, a, a foam ball that squeaks. How do you know? Well, um, just came to me. 95% of the kids lied about looking in the box, particularly those whose parents said they would not lie. <laughs> they were the ones who lied the most. <laughs> by the time we become teenagers, and apologize, apologies for this, teenagers, but by the time we become teenagers, we have become masters at lying. There was another experiment. They took some students, 21, to hang out with some, some teenagers. They did some research on the teenagers, a survey. They said to them, answer this question. How many of you believe that truth and honesty is foundational to your relationship with your parents? 98% of the teenagers, yep, 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 absolutely. All right. So the, the students who were with them, can of some Coke and a pizza, went through a pack of cards, 36 cards, 36 areas where teenagers typically lie to their parents. You know what the average was of the teenagers who said that 98% of them said that foundation of honesty is important to your relationship with your parents? 12 areas was the average of the number of areas where the teenagers lied to their parents. The teenagers are all hating me right now. But that was the research. They lied about how they spent their money, where they started dating, what clothes they put on once they got out of the house around the corner, what movie they went to and who they went with, the alcohol and drugs that they'd taken, whether they were hanging out with friends that their parents disapproved with, how they spent their afternoons while their parents were at work, whether chaperones were in attendance at a party, and whether they rode in cars driven by other drunken teenagers. Parents, if you're sitting next to your teenager, don't turn to them right now, that's just cruel. <laughs> We've all been there. And the statistic was, out of those that were surveyed, 98% of those teenagers were lying to their parents on an average of 12 different areas. I was born a liar, you were born a liar. It's what we do. Into that came Jesus Christ. He came into that mess, into this mess, he comes. That's what John 1 says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. The only one who can rescue us from the web of lies is Jesus. And he didn't, say, I just, he didn't even just say, I tell the truth. He says, I am the way, the truth. He is the truth. And so the second reason to love the truth is because even though I was born a liar, Christ came to rescue me. He came to save me. He is the only one who could. And I wanna to say to you today, no matter what web you have spun, no matter how thick and how deep the deception runs in your life, no matter how fearful you are of the consequences, Christ can rescue you. 
I've seen it myself to that point where I knew that I couldn't tell the truth, but I couldn't carry on with the lie. And in the midst of that, Christ came and rescued me and pulled me out of that place. This is why we must love the truth, because he came to bring us home to our Father, who is truth. And this is the third reason, because when I, get, when I gave my life to Christ, I got changed to be like him. Before, my old nature was to lie. That's what I did. Ephesians 4 says this, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Speaking truth is what he does and we are called as Christians to grow into him, be changed into his image. And, if, and Colossians 3 says, don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Lying was second nature, it was like a cloak I wore, just when it was convenient, I told the truth when I felt like it, lied when I felt like it. But once I come into Christ, I take that coat off and I put a new coat on, and he's put it on me. The fact is, I'm now a truth teller. That's what I do, I tell the truth. Do I lie occasionally? Yes. But I'm a truth teller now. And the spirit of truth is in me. That's what John 16 says. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into truth. He will lead me to know the truth, but also he will make me a truth teller like Christ. And that is amazing. Those who lie have to tell more lies, but those who start telling the truth, just fine, they get addicted to the truth. They can't, I, I mean, I do lie occasionally now. It, it, it happens. I know that shocks you, but I, I do lie. And it's over the most ridiculous things. Uh, my, my worst story, most humiliating story, and there have been several, but the worst was when I, uh, my friend, people come to me because I love gadgets, and they ask me, should I buy this gadget or that gadget? And I like to give, pontificate on my opinion. Anyway, my friend came to me and said, should I buy this printer? And I know a little bit about printers, so I said, oh, no, 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 that's a rubbish printer, don't buy it. He's like, oh, okay, I won't. I walked away and the Holy Spirit said to me, how much do you know about that printer? <laughs> I know a lot about printers, actually, as you're asking. I know, I know a lot about printers. How much do you know about that printer? I well, I know a lot about printers in general. That's all that counts. I've probably saved my friend from a terrible decision. He's going to buy a much better printer. How much do you know about that printer? I don't know anything about that printer. You've got to tell him. No, 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 I'm not telling him. There's no reason to tell him. There's no, what? It's not going to hurt him. He'll just buy a different printer. So what? You've got to tell him. I'm not, I can't tell him. Don't make me tell him. It's going to be so humiliating. I had no reason to lie. Why would I lie over a printer? It was a bit ridiculous. You've got to tell him. Please, I'm begging you. Don't make me tell him. <laughs> so I went and told him. I said, you know that, you know that printer. He said, oh yeah, I've decided to buy a different one. Yeah, 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 that's, that's, we need to talk about it. I lied. What do you mean you lied? I, I don't know anything about that printer. Why did you lie? There was no reason to lie. I know there was no reason to lie. But why did you lie then? I don't know. Don't make this any harder than it is already. But it's ridiculous. You didn't need to lie. And you, I don't know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I lied. But you see, it's like this. If you've ever been camping, 
<laughs> filthy. If you've ever been camping, you'll know after a few nights on the ground, at first it's like, oh man, I just like, what did I ever do, decide to do this? Darling, we're never doing this again. But after a few nights, you don't feel the little bumps, do you? You just feel that massive rock that sticks in your back. That's all you feel. But then, when you, after a few days, you get home, and there, there's your bed, like a vision of glory. Your, your bed, which you thought was average, suddenly it's like the most heavenly, divine thing in your life. And there it is with its beautiful white sheets. And it's four o'clock in the afternoon, you think, I just need to lie on it just for a moment. Just, just for a moment. And you lay down, and then there's this tiny bit of grit in your back. And you're like, what is I mean, yesterday at the camping, you'd have been like, you'd been thanking God if that was all you felt. But now... You're like, get out of there, these sheets are dirty, clean these sheets. That's what it's like. Once you come through to faith in Christ, once you get start telling the truth, once you get those big rocks out, you know, I, I lived in that, that web of deceit, that fear of getting caught, of getting found, I live with that. But once you've come to Christ and cleared that stuff out, and you're used to sleeping on clean sheets again, you never wanna go back. Some of you, you've come to faith in Christ, you've never been through that journey. I'm not saying you've got to tell everyone everything, but you need two or three people who you just tell the whole thing, who know the whole story. Because once, once you're in that place, you never want to go back. And just the tiniest bit of grit becomes uncomfortable. And you think, I've got to get this out of my system. And the Holy Spirit leads you into truth. And the fourth thing is this. The fourth reason to love the truth is because lying destroys the very family I'm trying to build. Ephesians 4 says this, therefore having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. What is he talking about? He's saying now you are part of a new body. You are part of a new family and you are building a family whose father is truth itself. (laughs) That's the family that you've come into. And so when we lie to one another, we are, it's like a builder who's building a house and in the daytime, he builds the house, his wonderful house. And at night, he sneaks out while no one's looking. He goes down to the building site and he tears down the work. And then he goes back to bed and no one knows. And the next day, he comes up, my house. Who is he fooling? <laughs> Himself. That's what Paul's saying. If you lie and carry on lying, now that you're born into a new family, you're destroying the very thing that you're trying to build. We always say this, it's like wearing a mask. When you come into a community like this with your mask on, nobody can love you. The lie that you're believing is if I take my mask off, they won't love me. The truth is this, unless you take your mask off, they cannot love you because you can't love a mask. It doesn't go through. And many of us have experienced this. Some of you come from different settings, backgrounds, even churches, and the scary thing for you is you're realizing, oh, hang on a minute, this is a bit different here. People are actually honest. (laughs) And when the mask comes off, what you'll find is for the first time, you realize you've come home. That people can love you for who you really are. Because it was for that mess that Christ came. And we're all in the same boat. And when the mask come off and we realize I'm building something here and the power of it to transform lives is amazing. We've seen people who've been in churches for decades and they come in and the masks come off and suddenly they get set free. (laughs) 
Because when the enemy comes and lies and says, yeah, but if they knew that one thing, they wouldn't love you, you can immediately say, yeah, but they do know, and they still love me. <laughs> Suddenly, there's no way and no need to hide. But do you know the other thing about this, about building a family, is this is an observation as I was preparing for this that I came across I hadn't ever seen before. When there is deception, say with our kids, when they've deceived us in some way, we, we normally discipline them for that. We say, look, foundationally, that we, we, you can tell us anything, actually anything we can deal with, but we've got to have the truth. There's no relationship with the truth. We've drilled that into them. But actually, there's an interesting take on that. And that it's more important to demonstrate to kids and in our discipling relationships in our family, it's more important to demonstrate the value of the truth than it is to discipline over deception. And going back to that illustration of the experiment, what researchers found is what they did with some of the kids is before, you know the, the story with the box and the kids and did you look in the box? Well, before the instructor went out, for some of the children, they told them one of two stories. The first story was Peter and the wolf. You know Peter and wolf. Peter lies and lies and lies. Get, in the end, he gets away with it, but he gets eaten by the wolf. And for some kids, they told him that story, the consequences of lying. But for other kids, they told him a famous American story, which was of George and the cherry tree. And in the story of George and the cherry tree, George um, gets a brand new axe, and he wants to use his axe, and so he cuts down a tree. He thinks it's just an innocent tree. It's his dad's prized cherry tree. He cuts it down. His dad says, who cut down the tree? Um, <laughs> not me, not me. He lies and lies and lies. And in the end, he tells the truth. And his father says to, this to them, him, George, I'm glad that you cut down that tree after all. Hearing you tell the truth instead of a lie is better than if I had a thousand cherry trees. So some children had no story. Some children had Peter and the wolf. Some people, children had George and the cherry tree. Three different scenarios. Guess what happened? They asked people, which do you think would decrease lying? Most people said, oh, it's Peter and the wolf that will decrease lying. The fact that you might get eaten if you tell a lie, surely that's got to motivate you. No. The kids who heard the story of Peter and the wolf lied more than the kids who heard no story at all. The fear of punishment actually motivated them to lie more than no story at all. But the kids who heard the story of George and the cherry tree lied half as much as the kid who lied. Most of them still looked in the box. <laughs> they still peeked in the box. They couldn't resist that. But most of the kids who'd heard George and the Cherry Tree no longer lied about it. They told the truth when challenged. What's the point? The point is this. We have to call people into a culture of the truth. Disciplining lies is one thing. But inspiring them. Listen to what the father says. George, I'm glad that you cut down the tree after all. Hearing you tell the truth instead of a lie is better than if I had a thousand cherry trees. Some of you need to hear your heavenly father say that this morning. I know you've got that thing, this thing in your life, this lie, but listen. No matter what's got chopped down, what's got destroyed, if you come into the truth, hearing you speak the truth, will be better than if that was never done. We can rebuild this. We can rebuild this together if we've got a foundation of the truth. This is what a culture of authenticity does. It creates an environment where people become the people that they were born in Christ to be. And then lastly, the fifth reason to love the truth is because Jesus is truth. 
and to love the truth is another way of loving Jesus. What has me being honest with my boss, with my spouse, with my friend got to do with worship? It's got everything to do with worship. Because Jesus says, not just I tell the truth, he says, I am the truth. And so when we line up with the truth, no matter how costly it might be, we worship him. And we say, Jesus, I love the truth because I love you. (laughs) And I love what you're about. And by the Spirit, I want to become someone who looks like you. (laughs) We can't do this on our own. We are born liars. But by the Spirit, we can become truth tellers because that's what Jesus is. We can be transformed. And, you know, I have faced some situations in my life where to pay the, to tell the truth was potentially incredibly costly. Some of you are facing that. Even as I'm talking, you're realizing, whoa, hang on a minute, this is a huge deal. And I'm tired and it's the summer. Listen, this is a great time in the summer to stop and to reflect and to say, what, what kind of person do I want to build? What, what, be, what kind of house do I want to build? What kind of family do I want to be part of? Oh yeah, I want to love the truth. Okay, then I've got to get this thing dealt with. Some of you have been sitting on it for 20 years. And it's time to take this culture of authenticity. You know, we've talked about it for five years and it's worked around this thing. Some of you, it's just that you signed up for it and you've just got a lot of grit in the bed. Just the odd lie, the odd exaggeration. It's just come into your spirit and you realize, hang on, I just need to get that sheet off and clean, start again. But for some of you, it's a big deal. And I want you to know that I've been in that situation myself, even potentially facing a criminal record if I told the truth. But do you know what? Years on from that, and I didn't get a criminal record, but years on, I'm so grateful that I got that out of my spirit. Because when you've lived with the lie, you can't ever think about, re- you can't ever be really at peace because you're so concerned about holding the whole thing together. But once you've seen the clean sheets, once you've got it out of your system, it's like, oh, I never want to go back again. I never want to go back again. I've signed up for the truth. I, had a, I was speaking in a meeting recently and I had, the night before I had this dream and it was horrendous. I had done this thing in the dream And I knew in the dream that if I told the truth, my life was over. But if I didn't tell the truth, I couldn't carry on living. And it was all night like that, that horrible, and if you've been in that situation, you know how it feels. That horrible, sickly feeling all night. Oh, I don't know what to, I can't, I'm total trapped. And I woke up in the morning, I was like, oh my gosh, thank you Jesus, it was only a dream. And I thought, someone in this meeting is going to be living like that right now. That's their life. What I had for a night, that is their life. So in the meeting, I just brought that as a word of knowledge to someone. Two guys responded, both of them carrying stuff for 20 years. That was, their, that was one night for me. That was, their, that was their life. And Christ came in to set them free. As they walked into the light, they came into freedom. Proverbs 12 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. It's time for some of us to take this culture deeper. And this summer is a great time. I'm not saying do something now. I'm saying take a step back. Let's reflect. Let's pause. And let's say, do I love the truth with all of my being? Am I committed to the truth? Because he is the one I'm committed to and he is truth. You can't separate them. Do I love it? 
And am I building a community, a family, a friendship group that loves it and that thrives on it and that lives to be living demonstrations of the power of the truth? Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Thank you, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes. We can get the band back. That'd be great. Some here, you've never taken that step to respond to Christ. And I just want to give you an opportunity because it's time for you. You know it. You've lived the web of lies like I did. And you know, I, 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 don't, know how, I don't know the way out of this, but I know that I need Jesus. I've seen this morning, he's the only one who can deliver me from this mess. I want to live that old world system and enter into his. And if that's you, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I've seen you this morning as the truth and I love what I see and I'm leaving behind this old stuff and I want to follow you. Thank you, Lord. If you prayed that prayer while every eye is closed, just raise a hand wherever you are. If that is your first time to pray that prayer as a response to Christ. That's great, thank you. Anyone else, just raise a hand. Just respond to him. Just raise it high if you're ready to take that step of following Christ. Thank you, that's great. A friend of mine will come and talk to you, wonderful. For the rest of us, let's just sit quietly before the Lord. I know normally we pray with one another, but let's just take a moment before God. Just tell him you love him. Tell him you love the truth because he is truth. Ask him this summer to take you deeper into it. Some of you, it's the exaggerating. You just got to leave that exaggerating behind. Some of you, it's a lie you told your parents years ago, a lie you told a spouse or a friend. It's coming back to mind. You're realizing, I want to to deal with this. Some of you, you've become a person when you enter a room. And you're like, I just want to stop being that person because that's not who I am. You feel this compulsion to be funny or to have a greatest story. And you realize, actually, it's not a lie in that sense, but it's a lie. It's not who I am. I'm just trying to be someone I'm not. Thank you, God. Just let all those old clothes come off. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I love the truth. I want a marriage. I want a family. I want friendships where we are building something rock solid ground or we're building a community of people who love the truth will we lie of course we'll lie but quickly we go quickly we go back and sort it and fix it but once someone speaks we know they're speaking the truth because that's what we do in our family God I pray for parents here to create this culture in their families pray for teenagers here who've got some tough things to talk to mum and dad about now. Pray, God, for your grace in this whole area. God, we can't fix this on our own, nor are we meant to, but Christ came into the lie, came the truth. (laughs) By the Spirit, you set us free.
do business with God from now. feel his presence here. Some of you are doing serious business with him. He is with you. He is with you. I can't promise how it's going to work out when you tell the truth, but he is with you. And whatever mess is created, however many trees have got chopped down, he is going to be with you as you rebuild on a fresh foundation. The Spirit is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are not alone. parents we need to release one of you to just go and get your kids we're going to finish there if you want prayer the ministry team would love to pray for you if you feel like I need to talk to someone about this now find a friend find someone you can trust go talk with them if you need healing the team will be over the mess of Jesus banner would love to pray with you don't forget to pray from our friends from Bosnia if we can have a team go and grab them and get them that would be great Bless you guys. Thanks so much for coming. God bless you.